What would we learn if we surveyed physicians about their interactions with patients and with pharma for 30 years? I'm Jeff Stewart of Cineos Health Consulting. I'm joined today by Cameron Thompson, Executive Vice President for Answer Suite here at Cineos Health. 30 Years of Physician Answers, next on the Cineos Health Podcast. Cameron Thompson, welcome to the Cineos Health Podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Good to be here. So tell me what your role is. Well, I'm Executive Vice President of Answer Suite, which is a proprietary prescriber panel and data output for Cineos. We talk to almost 11,000 prescribers on a monthly basis, and we deliver reports to the biopharma industry. So you've been doing this for a while. It's not just been one year or two years, but it's been longitudinal over many years. How many years? We actually have data going back 30 years. So this longitudinal data set, although under different names, is roughly 30 years old. What do you know when you talk to physicians? That's the question. Like, There's something that you're getting that not everyone gets. What kind of insights do you get when you're talking to physicians for this long? Great question. So what is unique and distinct is, of course, the fact that you can follow trends. Now, maybe there's certain questions that we ask that are not as applicable that go back 25 years, but certainly in the last five or 10 years. And then also trends that occur over the last year, such as COVID or real changes in digital or other technologies that reps communicate with physicians. So depending on the questions we're asking, we have different value that we bring in terms of those trends. We'll start with COVID. I mean, what did COVID do? (laughs) That's on everyone's mind, all our clients' mind. Of course, all of us as consumers and individuals and patients, we all think about this because it's such a profound impact right in our sweet spot. So having been myself in this business for 25 years, I, I don't think I've seen anything like it. It's just created a new normal around how a prescriber does his or her daily business. That means that not only are his patients different, distinct, have all kinds of unique questions around COVID. Even if they're getting a knee surgery, they're still concerned about the COVID impacts, of course, but also the way the pharmaceutical industry has treated him or her as a prescriber. And so that's what we try to do is in a near-term fashion, create unique understanding of the why prescribers do this and therefore make messages more relevant. And what trends do you see? There's a bunch of trends, but let's talk about the first part. The interaction with the patient has changed. This is not a new trend. This is not just a distinct COVID trend, but it's exacerbated by COVID. They're well-educated. Consumers come in, they're armed with information. In this case, they're armed with information about how their disease state is affected by COVID or how maybe they're nervous about going back to the physician because of COVID. As far as it relates to the way the pharmaceutical manufacturers treat the prescriber, the changes there are profound. Because, of course, the doors were closed to pharmaceutical reps, virtually closed to other things because of time constraints. So although that's come back about half of a force, if you will, the relationships matter that those reps have with the physicians. But there's also these augmented channels that are important for the physicians. So the non-personal promotion, whether that's through tele-repping, email, or digital components, digital video, all that's accelerated. And that's here to stay because, of course, the cost is more reasonable and you're not putting a full rep on every individual prescriber. Do the prescribers like it? Again, our data says that the impact is very good. I think what it also does when you have less expensive digital engagement channels is you can cover more prescribers. So what we see is from the prescriber's point of view, the engagement is better because if you're a high prescriber in a certain category, you're getting a lot more attention 
from the in-person rep. And that in-person rep is doing a better job and is probably a little more patient. That's anecdotal, but a little more patient with that individual prescriber. And perhaps some of the lower prescribers are getting more digital or non-personal type promotion. And so it's bifurcated a little bit. And which one works better? Well, you say work. I mean, work depends on who you're asking. So our clients are pharmaceutical companies. Work means lift. So script lift, that is defined by a combination, frankly, a combination of in-person and well-run digital promotion or non-personal promotion. That works the best from a pharmaceutical perspective. The reason we want to understand more about the why of the prescriber is because we want to speak to the prescriber in a way that's beneficial to all stakeholders. So the patient has a better experience. Of course, the pharmaceutical has to get their lift. That's how they pay for the reps. But also the physician won't be engaged or the prescriber won't be engaged unless they're receiving some kind of value exchange. So I know that's very high level and very soft, but that's the fact. You want that triangle to work. So what are you hearing now from the physicians on what their life has changed to become? And maybe that's an unfair question. We have no data which supports what their life is like because we ask syndicated data questions that have a long history. So we see the trend, but in order to see the trend, you have to ask those same questions over time. What we do know in data points is their practice has changed. Folks are prior to the Delta virus coming back to the office. Now there's a little bit of a dip depending on where you are. And their office is now taking what tactics worked in the past through this COVID and inserting them into their practice as a new normal, to use that word again. And that would be things like telehealth, here to stay, working closely with groups that support patients, depending on the therapy, that doesn't require patients to come back into the office. So how can prescribers extend their service to their patients, be of more use besides just the patients coming back and back and back? That's what the trends that we see that we can pick up from the data that we get. We're talking about physicians, but AnswerSuite, as I remember, because I've worked with it over the past decade or so, AnswerSuite also has not just talking to physicians or surveying physicians and getting their responses to things like whether or not the rep showed up, what the rep was like, whether or not they changed their opinion about the drug, whether they used the drug. All of those are things that were in AnswerSuite, as I recall. But something else that I do recall was that it wasn't looking just at what physicians were doing, but it was outside of it. I had two clients that launched during COVID. And one of them moved very heavily towards non-personal promotion, which they did, of course, but they also moved into advertising and they had celebrities that were on television all the time. And they had a very strong presence on my own personal iPhone. Every time I turned on Twitter, I would find them there, still do. Is that what you also track? Is that what you also see? Yes, we do. We have this whole visualization of promotional spend and focus. And that's really where the benefit of the syndicated longitudinal view of our data comes through. So using an example, what did XYZ therapy spend 10 years ago? What about when it launched? Did it spend more on DTC, direct to consumer, or more on direct to physician materials in the spend of that? And you can see the benefits if you've never launched a product yet. What is the optimal spend and where should it be directed towards? Oh, that's interesting. That's a very insightful thing that you can't just get. You can go look at the industry spend, but you may not have that trend history. And there's very few places you can get that. So I think we help with, particularly in what you're talking about is launch, where to launch and where the spend should be. 
What do people underspend on and what do they overspend on? Well, I'll give you a general answer. The data doesn't always point to overspending because that is a business decision by every pharma company. But I will tell you, there's two keys here. One is flexing and testing and measuring. So the action of going out, doing a certain thing, and then letting the data point to the proper amount of spend. So allowing the data to tell you what return on investment you're getting and therefore adjusting. So adjusting being the key thing here. And then the other thing I would say is, just broadly speaking, everybody knows this DTC is very expensive because the return tends to be very slight. It's kind of the equivalent of branding. We talk about in a common non-healthcare agency and branding is where you just get the information out about your brand, but there's not a strict call to action. And the return on investment is very soft. Attribution becomes a big thing when you're talking about direct call to action. When you're talking about branding, attribution is much softer. So if you're saying where do they overspend, it's always on DTC or network television, cable, anything that's expensive and broad reaching. That's interesting. If I'm a pharma company, where should I be spending that possibly I didn't think about spending as much there? Yeah, great question. Our belief is, of course, understanding. So it begins with understanding and understanding of the practice, understanding of the therapeutic area that this disease state sits in and the mode of action, the actual drug and where it fits. And those things are the basis of then where you get your information and you filter it against them. So a diabetes drug is going to be marketed and spent differently than a rare disease category. So we feel the information drives that proper spending and that triangulation between using technology, data, and insights to drive a behavior change, that triangulation is really critical. Usually to me, it's not an area. It's neither here nor there. It's understanding where the right sweet spot is to spend and exploit that. And as I mentioned earlier, being free to make adjustments as time moves on, as the market changes, as you've launched, as you're post-launch and you're into mature state, these are all different sweet spots. And you've got to stay with your finger on the pulse of the information that helps with determine that. Without using the name of the particular client, can you just describe a project where you went in and you found something and that materially affected how they thought about their marketing spend? Yes. We have found in an example that certain patient category, this ideal patient, which makes up the majority, was actually going to a different specialist than this therapy was commonly understood to write for. There was actually a corollary to what the hypothesis was for who was writing. So right there, you're talking about a neurologist instead of a GP. And oh, as many patients are going to neurologists for this case as a general practitioner. So there's insight there. So what does that mean? How should we talk about that? Well, what has been spent against the neurologist in this category? And they see, oh, it's been underserved by the entire market. In this case, this wasn't the only therapy in that market. So the whole market was ignoring the fact that this other specialty was writing a lot for this therapy. And that was insightful to them. So now they've got essentially a different target for their sales reps, but also, at least as a beginning, a communication, an omni-channel communication, hopefully, into that neurologist community. And that was very insightful for the client. Well, Cameron Thompson, this is fantastic. And we've learned a lot, I think, about how you go out and talk to physicians over now 30 years with the longitudinal work. It sounds very insightful and you're able to get to new answers. So thanks so much for joining us on the Cineo Health Podcast. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. That's all for today's episode of the Cineos Health Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. 
If you want to talk through a hard decision you're making at your life sciences company, you may email me at podcast at cineoshealth.com. For access to more future-focused, actionable life sciences insights, visit the Cineos Health Insights Hub at insightshub.health. Cineos Health, shortening the distance from lab to life.